Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Today's episode is with recruitment leaders. Before I go too much further, though, I would like to introduce my partner in crime, the lovely, the dashing, the handsome, and graying slightly in the beard, Serge Boudreau. Serge, how are you? You can keep on going. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding, Shelly. Thank you. I really appreciate the introduction, especially with the group that we have. So if you can repeat everyone as they start talking, (laughs) if they can just repeat those talking points, that would be great. Yes. No ego there. No, no, no. So, um, so listen, we have uh, probably, of course, one of the things I never get tired of talking about is, of course, recruitment. And we've invited some really impressive recruitment leaders to join us today and talk about corporate recruitment. Um, so we're going to start with introductions. And so, Serge, I'm going to hand the microphone back over to you. If you could introduce Kelly, please, for us. Sure. So... This, and and Kelly, don't get too blush or anything like that. I'm reading this. I probably don't mean (laughs) any of it, but just as a heads up. So Kelly is the Director of People and Culture with FYI Doctors, one of Canada's most inspirational stories of growth. Having a degree from the prestigious University of Ottawa, Kelly's career path is the ultimate demonstration that great talent will transcend any sector. She's worked in telecom, agriculture, manufacturing, and now the medical industry. Kelly is no stranger to the challenge we face in finding great talent for the organization. Most notable is the enormous task she undertook as Director of Talent Acquisition with FYI. Try finding optometrists whose life goal is working in Dawson Creek, B.C., That's a pretty big challenge. And congratulations on moving the needle with FYI. Aside from working with a bunch of engineers, working with a group of doctors puts you in the category of all of its own. It took took so much to read it that I lost my voice. (laughs) So welcome, Kelly. Really excited to have you on board. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I'm blushing. All right. That's a great (laughs) intro. It's pretty awesome. Perfect. Now, Shelly, go ahead. Awesome. Um, so I'd like to introduce uh, Renee. Uh, Renee Rust, with over 10 years of recruitment, Renee has built her career and reputation on her ability to adapt to change, technology, leadership, two recessions, and acquisitions, just to name a few. Her leadership in recruitment and her willingness to roll up her sleeves and get shit done is a demonstration of both her integrity and her business acumen. I'm pretty sure the hiring managers over at CETA have an I Heart recruitment sticker on their laptops. Renee, Renee amazes me with her insights and her innovative thinking on recruitment marketing. She has leveraged her talents within her organization and is willing to try new approaches, and she and her team have set world records on the hard-to-find, hard-to-fill roles in trades, semi-skilled labor, and drivers. Renee, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shelley. Okay, what the heck? World that was record? Very kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, prove me wrong. Very generous. <laughs> prove me wrong. <laughs> so now I have the honor to introduce Susan McGuire. So, Su- actually, just met Susan a couple of weeks ago, so it's exciting in that. And so, Susan brings us incredible depth and expertise in both HR and recruitment. 
from her first job out of university where she joined a railroad. That's interesting, a railroad. Uh, her EQ is evident, having to fit into a male-dominated industry where the value of HR was blurry. Susan spent 12 years on both sides of Canada with CP Rail. Susan has taken on enormous tasks of developing best practice inside organizations who are traditionally and have a reputation of, but we've done this, we've done it this way and moved the needle for them. Her career path since continues to be a testament of, to her authentic ability to build long-lasting relationships. When candidates become clients and clients become colleagues and friends, Susan is perfectly suited for her next adventure as a coach. Susan dedicates a portion of her time and talent to new Canadians and other job seekers to help them land their next great role. So welcome, Susan. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Shelley. Hi, ladies. So now... We are officially out of time, so we are going to make sure. <laughs> Welcome, Susan. I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take the microphone away from him now. Um, <laughs> he just, he just, he's just, he's struggling with change, okay? Because, you know, it's, it's me writing at this time. So I'm going to start with, uh, I'm just going to dive right into our first question. Um, and so I'm going to come... Kelly, I'm going to ask you if you want to be first up here. Um, yeah, sure. No problem. Okay. So obviously. But you told me you changed the question though. So this is going to be. Okay. okay. Off well, the listen cup. carefully. Listen carefully. I'm, I'm sure you'll catch on. Um, okay. <laughs> just slightly. Um, so obviously the current uh, pandemic situation has changed how we recruit. Do you believe that recruitment will be required to return to the office or can, is it a function that is always going to be or could continually be done remotely? What are your thoughts? You know what, I feel actually really strongly about this. I really think that it is, um, it should return to the office. And I know that there's lots of alternative thoughts on, on this, but my personal feeling and part of my success through my career has been the fact that I've been able to be the, the keeper of the culture through all of my recruitment dialogue. And there's nothing better than physically being in the space of the office, mm -hmm. have access to every, everyone in the organization at that home office space. So like my feeling is really strong that if I wanna to continue to be really successful in my recruitment role, it has to be from a place of um, my ability to, to connect with every single one of those groups in less of a structured way on these Zoom calls and one-on-one -on -one conversations and all that. So, so um, and part of my um, frustrations with agencies would be that they, they lack that piece of the puzzle. And, um, you know, ones that are truly like partnered with you and like are right by your side and they're in the office and they come meet with you and they get the culture and they've hired many times for you. They're more successful and you're your go-to recruiter. And part of their success is because they get the culture and they've physically been there and seen it. So like my thought is that it, ha it has to return to the office for it to be a successful piece of the puzzle. Okay. Well, I'm going to hand the microphone over to you, Renee. So with the pandemic, as far as how we recruit changed, but share with me if you believe that the recruitment function will return to the office or will it be a remote work from home? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with a lot of things that Kelly said, um, but I think it really just depends on the culture at your organization. Like we're pretty old school um, at CETA. So, you know, people are in the office. We don't have a regular program where people are working from home, but 
there's tons of people, you know, we're having to work modified schedules. We're production oriented. We're not necessarily, you know, time watchers, but to Kelly's point, you know, having that face to face, I think that as far as recruitment goes, building relationships is one of the most important things and building relationships in person outbeats, you know, anything else. I, I totally agree with face to face is number one, but it depends on the culture. I mean, I mean, I, I'm open to letting my team have a couple days if they want, um, you know, working remotely, uh, always have been, especially those with uh, little kids, but I don't think they want to. I think they want to come back to. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Renee. So Susan, um, same question for you. Do you believe that recruitment will be required to return to the office or will, can it be a remote function? Uh, from an HR perspective, I think that organizations are looking at their space limitations regardless of the function. And so um, I think that uh, recruitment fits into that in the sense that they're no different than any other function that the leadership might be looking at working in different ways. And this time away from the office and for everyone to be at home, I think, has been wonderful to let people know that things don't need to be perfect. Um, and so you are going to have those leaders who need to see the whites of our eyes and they're going to want you to come back. Uh, then you are going to have those other leaders who are going to say, you know what, maybe there is room for a flexible arrangement here. Um, and I think it is important to have culture and I think it is important to get out of the office. And so if we want recruiters to um, not only uh, create with their own teams and understand what's going on inside the organization. I also think that they need to spend time outside of the organization in the network and appear more independent and start to create their own brand as well uh, for the sake of the organization. You know what? Awesome. I think they're all right in their own way. Um, so Kelly, I, I agree completely with you that really the culture is, is sometimes driven by being face to face. Uh, but I think the key word, and I think Renee, you mentioned it, and also Susan, it's, it's all about flexibility. I think that is going to be the key moving forward as we're looking at how people are working. Uh, there is times that if you work from home one day and, I don't know, as a recruiter, you're going through with tons of resume, you can get a lot done. But having that face-to-face, and Renee, to your point, like culture, it really depends on the internal culture of the organization and how it's structured as well. I think that can be a challenge if most of your employees are remote anyways. If you're going into an empty office, I think that's going to be a challenge. But on that, the other part of that that I'm curious to see how you guys feel is not everyone's going to be comfortable going into the office anytime in the near future. I don't know, Kelly, are you excited to go back into the office? Oh, yeah. I mean, come on, you can tell by my answer, right? So I like absolutely. And um, I'm part of that demographic that's navigating three kids at home and um, probably 18 hour days as um, a head of people and culture with FYI and the changing workforce and how it's affected emergency and urgent care for our organization. So it, um, it, it's been a hard thing to transition. And I'm a part of that demographic that's like in love or has a love hate relationship with zoom meetings now. And, um, like it, it, it's been amazing technology to work with. We have those Friday drink calls and we do like the Pictionary games and stuff like that. And it's, it's been great, but, um, you know, the, the get back to work and to be in 
the the home office environment. Um, I'm I personally am, am completely looking forward to because I'm 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 obsessed with the culture of our organization, and you don't get that sitting at home at your desk and in a 2D environment of Zoom. You just don't. But so. What about those employees based on either health concerns? What's oh yeah, gosh, we have a phased approach. Like we have been all in with advisors and um, like the, we have an emergency response team that's navigating all that. There's the phased return to work approach that we're navigating for, for sure. I mean, I can go on a two hour spiel about our COVID related um, protocols, right? So I'll cut you um, off right there. <laughs> like as it relates to like my overall hope in maybe phase three, three months from now, like, uh, you know, my answer to that question is, is yeah, like um, recruitment should return turn to the office and not negating any remote recruitment work that gets done or people's sensitivities to dealing with childcare and stuff. I think there's a hybrid you can, you can um, relate to with, with the recruitment teams as they navigate return to work for sure. So what I love about you, Kelly, is your points are very clear. There's no sitting on the fence, with Kelly. So. <laughs> I haven't how about, born yet. I'm impressed about, myself. <laughs> exactly. How about we go into the next question? So um, obviously, you've all worked in corporate recruitment. So what do you think is the biggest challenge facing corporate recruitment right now? And let's not talk about COVID in this situation. Just overall, before all of this happened, what's the biggest challenge? So let's start with Renee. I'd be curious to see what you think. Hmm. Yeah, this question, I thought a lot about this one. I have a list of challenges. Um, what, what I sort of resonated with was not controlling, not having the ability to control the whole, whole process. So what I mean by that is, you know, in recruitment, you could be doing all of the exact right things. You're building your brand, you're strategically advertising, you've got the most excellent sourcing plan, you're marketing, everything's going great. And then you get a candidate through the door after a great conversation with a recruiter, and then they're in an interview, and you don't know how that interview is going to go if you're not sitting there. And so you let go of the process there for a lot of us in corporate recruitment. And, you know, the hiring managers could answer their phone. They could be not a really polite. You know, they, they're not thinking maybe not all, not all hiring managers are thinking about that candidate experience like recruiters are. So you really have to let go of that. Um, and I find that that's a really uh, big challenge. So, and what I do to combat that or what we do at uh, CETA to combat that is I'm reminding our team that we're the experts in the room, uh, train them. So I'll, I'll give you an example. So I was out uh, doing a career fair with one of the uh, branches, one of our more remote branches. And uh, so these guys, uh, they've got new leadership. They haven't had a lot of corporate service dealings before. So I go out there, I travel it's essentially out in Ontario. I travel out there, we're putting on a career fair. They've never done it before. They've got tons of buy-in. We've got 15 probably foreman, supervisor, uh, manager level people there ready to help with the career fair. So we're in a boardroom and we're going through everything. So logistically, this is what it's gonna look like. You know, Doors are gonna open at this time. Tables are gonna be over here. We're gonna to talk to them about, you know, our, we show our equipment. We wanna show people what they're gonna be working on. And then at the end, and they don't know me very well at all. This is first time meeting a lot of them. And I say, look guys, I really want you to, to, to try and, and be kind. I, I just really want you to think, put yourself in that candidate's shoes, printed out their resume. Maybe they got some help with their resume. They're coming in. 
And it's so intimidating. Like these guys who all work for the same company, you know, they're laughing, they've got banter. So I was like, can you like, just really think about that um, as people are coming through the door. And I felt a little bit gun shy to kind of give that directive to a group of operations, like the guys who are running our business. Um, but I remember, you know, I took my own advice, like we're the experts in the room and like, this is so cheesy, but like I wanted to cry during the career fair because they were the sweetest group of people to all of the candidates. They were the kindest. It was the best, it was the best career fair we ever put on. And it was because they had so much buy-in. Um, they just, they treated everyone with so much respect. Like it didn't matter. They, you know, you know, whether or not you can work in our industry, um, but it didn't matter. They treated everyone with dignity and respect. And I think that you can't control everything, but you can control what you train to your hiring managers that you're dealing with. And so that's, I think that's a really big challenge. Um, but there's things that you can do to overcome it. You almost made me cry there. <laughs> get fired up. <laughs> Let me get you a Kleenex. Oh, yeah, here, exactly. Serge. Here's a Kleenex. <laughs> uh, how about yourself? Patronizing. Jesus. <laughs> Where's your empathy? <laughs> can you repeat the question? <laughs> Maybe. <yeah. laughs> so what is the biggest challenge facing corporate recruitment? Uh, let's avoid COVID in this question uh, before everything happened. But yeah, what's your thoughts there? I think um, the biggest challenge is that um, in my experience, on average, um, leadership doesn't appreciate uh, what goes into recruitment and what's required. And so I've heard things like, um, you know, what's so hard about it? Um, I've been hiring for years or um, it's like widgets, quote unquote, um, or ordering a steak I heard last year. And I thought, wow, okay, so this, if this is the organization's perspective on what recruitment is doing and they're bewildered as to why there are challenges and they struggle to get the people that they need to support their organization, I think that um, they would benefit from asking questions from their recruitment team and gauging their level of frustration. And if the team is frustrated, then that's going to be a direct reflection on the applicant and the applicant's experience. So uh, asking the right questions um, and digging into what's really at the root of the problem and then working with the recruitment team to solve that shit. <laughs> Talking about treating people like a piece of meat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like ordering Just like a steak. ordering a steak at oh Earl's. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah last yeah. year. Oh. Last year. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Lovely, lovely. Yeah. And was he talking? No, I'm not even. I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> Perfect, Kelly. What's your thoughts? Uh, well, this might start hard with you, Serge, but for me, it's turnover, um, retention of information and in, in recruitment is really important. And a, a lot of people, the reason I think it strikes hard with you, Serge, because you did a presentation on this and, um, in recruitment, uh, people often use it as like a jumping point, um, to their career in HR, or they'll have it just as a one or two year term, mm to get an in into the HR department or the people and culture department. So for, for me, it's always been this diamond in the rough to find someone who truly understands the recruitment life cycle. And then once you get that amazing individual, 
it's hard it's hard to keep right um and and oftentimes if they lean towards that one direction of using it as a jumping point um in their career to another department in hr which you can't fault them for um for for me um I've had recruitment in every single role I've ever had in my entire life from being a bartender and recruiting and interviewing people for the bar right on through to to where I'm at now as a director of people and culture. It's an aspect of everyone's uh, role. So, um, you know, the turnover for me is is the, the biggest challenge I see um, recruitment departments having. And also as it relates to how I answered my first question, because um, the keeper of the culture I find um, happens with the recruitment department because of the number of people we interact and talk with and, and our exposure and understanding to um, the employer brand. So, When you're the face, right? Like recruiters are always the face of the organization. So typically- Well, you're either the face or you're the voice because you're like on the phone <laughs> all the time, right? So yeah, yeah. Perfect, thanks Absolutely. Kelly. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm uh, on to the next question here, if I can. So um, Kelly, I'm going to get you to keep going here because I think you're on a roll, baby. Oh, okay. If there was a magic wand, uh, what part of the recruitment process would you create technology to just solve? Oh, uh, this, this is so hard because honestly, I feel like lots of it has already been created. And so many departments um, and companies um, are lagging at adoption on them. So this is a real hard one for, for me to um, answer because, um, you know, the biggest pain point I have in a day is scheduling. I just can't stand scheduling um, and figuring out, like, what about Wednesday? What about Tuesday at 9? What about and navigating that? But there's an app and there's a tech for that already, and it's just um, our organization's not utilizing it yet. Um, removing biases, right? That's, a, that's another one we, we see in, in interview. Um, right now, I'm navigating it with, with a few leaders um, where there's a downturn in the, the oil and gas industry and uh, personal bias, uh, like maybe, maybe we shouldn't be hiring um, these oil and gas individuals because when the upswing happens, they're going to leave and go back to oil and gas. Like that, that's, a bi- that's a bias, right? And some of our most amazing loyal individuals have had that background and have been a part of our organization. But there's AI is getting in on, in on this and removing some of those biases to shortlist uh, individuals. So to be honest, I actually don't have an answer. I did a lot of talking for, for uh, <laughs> no, actually you did. I, I got three things. Don't have an answer. <laughs> no, I actually got three things out of that, Kelly. So, you know, yeah. so Susan, share with us if, uh, your ma- magic wand. You know, thinking about the recruitment process, what would you just um, wave your wand and solved? So, Kelly just made me think about because if, if human behavior is up for grabs, then it's I would suggest. Wand. Yeah, yeah, it's a magic wand. So uh, anything goes. So I would suggest that it is about um, perhaps the hiring manager's appreciation and understanding and being better at interviewing well. Um, Whether that's pre-screening or reference checking or interviewing, I think it's all about asking good questions. And they can really cut through the garbage and get you to somebody's soul pretty quickly. And so I think that the power of the question is underestimated. And so if, if we could just kind of repeat that and teach everyone or, you know, have AI come in and do it for us, then that would be awesome. 
Um, and then I think, um, and I, I think this may have already been done uh, end to end, but I certainly haven't seen it in my time yet. I know that lots of applications are trying to do this, but it is about the applicant's experience and avoiding them going into the black hole. And not just that, but even before you try to onboard, because that's a whole other topic, but it's about pre-hiring somebody. What is that experience like? All the forms, all the back and forth. Um, it's a nightmare. Mm. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Renee, over to you. Show hey, us your, your magic wand. It's a very magical wand. So, <laughs> two, I got two. I say so, that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So, <laughs> so male. I, uh, oh, I had to say that. If there was a wand to be able to just fix reporting and and I mean I know there's a lot of analytics I know there's a lot of tools and there's all sorts of things that mash data together but I mean to have historical data against your current data and your current data is accurate and it feeds from your HRS TATS like I know that there's tools that exist but it's not that easy even if you've stitched them all together even if you've got a pro on it it's still really tough to get good accurate year over year reporting and then trying to match that to a benchmark or anything like that it, it's it can be very challenging find a magic wand that would just buffer right up into some beautiful machine. And then I could just punch it all in and get a lovely report out of that. And then the other magic wand thing, Shelly will make fun of me because this is Shelly's essence, but the, <laughs> Uh-oh. the creative, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> creative job ad reflecting the persona of the candidate that you're looking to hire. If I could make a machine um, so Shelly, if I could turn her into a robot and I could just tell her all about the type of person that I want to hire and why they should come work here. And you're going to pump out this ad and a 30 second clip that's going to go right into the job ad. And that's super catchy. And it's going to trend on social media. Then I would take that all day long. <laughs> okay. I'll, in, I'll invent that. Yes, please. Okay. Okay. Thank it's a good, um, it's a good business ID for yeah. you, Shelly. I know. I'm like writing it down. <laughs> like I can do that. Oh man. <laughs> I'm sure there's like a, a name generator that you can probably build that you just put the basics and it creates this amazing job uh, advertising. So get Sounds on like it. Feeling my wand. Well, do you know, I think there may be something. I remember I talked to Deloitte a couple of years ago and they had at that point a bunch of people in Ireland that were working on um, technologies using natural language processing because that's really what it comes down to is you, if you sit in the chair, uh, sorry, am I selling? Sorry, I don't mean <laughs> to, you guys, I don't mean to sell, but um, it is about speaking the language of your ideal candidate. And it's, it's not, it's not a template. No. When you template, you get back what you put out there. So, so Serge, yeah. I'm going to hand the next question over to you because I could get carried away with this, this topic. I know, I know. I'm trying to avoid that. Not kidding. What <laughs> is, so we talked about recruiting tools and different and magic wand. I'm just curious to see you're all using recruiting tools right now. What is your favorite? So Susan, how about I start with you? Oh gosh. Um, um, well, I, I am old school and I'm going to say a checklist, any kind, whether it's automated, hybrid, manual, don't care. I think that we as recruiters are busy and, you know, stuff comes up throughout the day. And, um, I think that we just need to help ourselves to keep on track and not duplicate our efforts and make mistakes because it doesn't help when we look bad. So, uh, yeah, some sort of a checklist is always my go-to. 
So what would be on top of your checklist? What's the number one thing that you would put on top? The date. Oh. Um, I'm putting you on the spot. Um, on top of my checklist. So if my checklist, because I might have three different kinds. So if I'm okay. picking like... <laughs> If I'm picking the checklist that is about um, a recruiter working with an applicant, then I would say on the top or near the top is about um, relating to them in a way that speaks to them. So finding out what the applicant is looking for. Um, you know, we still see, I think, I think uh, too much of this, like, this is what this organization is going to give you. You know, this is what you need from us. They, we need to turn it around and we need to be asking the applicant what's in it for them um, and really start to draw them in from the beginning. Perfect. Thank you. How about you, Renee? What's your favorite tool to use? I think I know, but what? What do you think I think I know. Let's just answer. I'll see if. Oh, I've got right. a guess too. So, what? yeah. How is it so easy for you guys? <laughs> uh, yeah, we just did a new applicant tracking system. So uh, we implemented smart recruiters and it's been a wonderful adjustment uh, for us. So that's been really good. Uh, they've got a lot of different metrics that we can pull out better than we were able to with our previous system. They've got a text feature. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that being released. Um, I was thinking, I was thinking about all our tools, like some, one of the things that we use for all the pre-hire paperwork and everything is the Adobe, uh, eSign. So that's super streamlined. We do the background checks automated. So everything's really streamlined for us. So my non, um, my non answer here is actually not so much a technology tool, but, and sorry, Serge, cause you love the tech, but, um, the existing workforce is something that I leverage quite a bit. So um, if I've got a hard to fill position or I want to know what kind of swag items to buy, I go right to our workforce. Um, so I call up the mechanics in the shop or I go back to the, if I'm in one of the regions and I ask them, okay, why would a mechanic want to work here instead of anywhere else? Like what's so great about this shop? And then they say wonderful things like, Oh, there's a, there's an overhead crane. Okay. Never would have thought of that um, as an appeal. So I'm going to put that right in the job ad. And, um, yeah. And like, just, just for all sorts of different consults, I, I'm calling, uh, some of the foremen and the operators, you know, just getting their take on why they continue to show up to work every day and do the work that we do. I, I think that's a tool. We're so outward facing in recruitment. We're always looking outside. Uh, it's good to look inside to, to leverage the tools for recruiting to the organization. Love your answer. Um, not what you thought I was going to say. What did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say smart recruiters. Um, yeah. And then you, you mentioned, you did mention smart recruiters. And I want I the listeners that have old school ATS. Oh, yes. To understand how shitty their ATS is and how it's putting back recruitment decades. So tell me what's the biggest difference because you had Taleo, correct? And uh, we've yeah. bashed Taleo maybe 30 <laughs> times in four episodes already. Yeah. So, sponsor you. They're going to sponsor you next week. Yeah, exactly. So tell me what's the big difference that you've seen from smart recruiters to Taleo? Like how has your world dramatically improved or yeah, who so hasn't? So two things. So first thing, if you're in a position to change your ATS, do it. Um, if you have an old school technology, Kelly, I know you recently went through this as well. And I, Kelly was one of the people I consulted before, you know, we made a decision on smart recruiters. Um, so smart recruiters specifically is uh, the thing that I liked about them was um, 
it was a machine that was built for a recruiter to use. Like it was a machine that had the recruiter in mind, the user in mind. So it was very um, pro just being in touch with candidates. So um, I, I can't explain how much it's changed because it's been like a complete 180 for us. Um, we've like, obviously it's efficiency in terms of, you know, all of the application sources that we have, um, the reporting metrics and what I'm able to put out to the business have for them to have visibility on their candidate pipeline. Um, the recruiters themselves, they love it. They're able to, um, contact candidates right into the machine. That was a new concept for us. So for anyone who's like, that's old news, sorry, it's very exciting for us. Um, yeah, I, it's it's been a game changer. I, and honestly, like they're, they've been really good in terms of their customer service. So free plug, smart recruiters. There you go. <laughs> I'm approaching smart recruiters next. So yeah, uh, for a plug. So Kelly, I'm, I'm curious to see what your answer is going to be and if it's going to be technology related because. Yeah, it's technology related. It totally is. So um, uh, for me, I mean, I, I appreciate where you're coming from with the checklist, but for me, I look at automating and tech in everything I do in a day. And um, if, I, if there's something I'm doing that's a manual process or it's an admin process, how can I automate it? And there are so many moments um, and articles that I read and, and interactions I have with people where they're terrified of that. Um, and it needs to be embraced. Because damn, these tools make me look good. <laughs> like they make me look like a rock star. So for me right now, it would be um, the campus recruitment tool that we have purchased. Uh, I mean, I'm using it for campus recruitment, but um, it's, it's an add-on and it's a plug called Engage with JobBite. And it allows me to receive um, uh, RSVPs to an event tagging them, creating an automatic pipeline, adding them into um, our database and automatically sending communications. I swear to God, those are four things I just left, listed off on my checklist that are done automatically for me that make me look like a genius. So when automation can step in and become a tech tool for me um, to take the thinking out of it and engage in these pipelines, you, you have my vote. Our job as leaders in the organization need to promote the cost of that app and what it does for us and actually not hide behind the success of it to promote that it's this app and it's this tool that's made me look this good and allowed us to get to our, our end game of hires. So, um, you know, I, I, I see um, the tools and the, and the um, resources that I've been able to convince the execs for me to purchase um, uh, a huge success in my daily life. Makes me look good. Hey, Kelly, we speak the same language. Really, you made an interesting point that I want to dig in a little bit deeper there is you mentioned that a lot of recruiters or uh, even recruitment leaders are scared of adding, automating a lot of this process. Um, how can we make this less scary for these recruitment leaders and recruiters? Because a lot of them think it's going to replace what they're doing. My initial mentality on it is really good recruiters should focus on two things is on the candidate experience and the hiring managers. All the rest is is fluff in reality. Uh, it's just a way, I mean, to get to the end. Um, but how would you approach a recruitment leader to be like, hey, don't worry, or a recruiter, hey, don't worry about this? Can you address that to me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, for, for, for me, um, 
because it's in everything. It's in it's in uh, manufacturing and um, uh, automation on on the line um, right through. So it's for for the recruit recruiters. Um, there's always something you're not doing, to be honest, in recruitment. And there's always something that you can get better at. And if the application and the tool is allowing you to have four less steps to do in a day. You're going to add one more step to be even better, and and we're chasing um, we're chasing metrics and we're chasing um, you know the success the tenured success of your hires. You don't want it to have crazy turnover. You don't want them to leave. And and um, as we seek out more automation in our recruitment tools, that human element and that engagement is just it needs to it needs to quadruple. Um, for retention to happen, for understanding of culture, for better hires to happen, et cetera. So I, my pitch is um, beyond the cost of it as a leader and, and uh, getting the budget line item for any tech purchases um, is, is to highlight that to any individual that's scared of it. So. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Coming down to one of my favorite questions. Um, and one of my favorite parts of being um, having been in a leadership role in recruitment is is just that is measuring success because uh, I know that if you don't measure it, there's no way to improve it. So, um, if I could start with you, Susan, can you share with us uh, the metrics that you feel the executive wants to know and and how you measure success on a recruitment team? Um, well, I, I did mention before that the anecdotal way that I would mention the success of a recruitment team is ask them how they think they're doing, and they'll tell you. Um, and then I think when you're trying to tell the story that the data tells, it can depend, you know. So depending on where you are, I think about Kelly's manufacturing comment and, um, you know, what that might look like uh, for modular manufacturing, for example. Um, versus what that looks like at TELUS or what that looks like at CP Rail in my past anyways. And it was always about where's the biggest challenge. And so you need to be able to drill down into those particular data points where that issue is now. Then you fix it and then you've got a clearer pathway and then, okay, so where's the next divot in the road? And then you're going to pay attention to that. So I don't think it's a one size fits all. I think that for me anyways, that that can be a lot to try to comprehend and put together. And so I, I think challenge your leadership when they say they come across, because again, going back to this thing where they think it's really easy and then they go, oh, give me the cost for hire. Give me the time for hire. Give me all that typical textbook stuff. And I call bullshit and I say, well, where are the problems now? What do, what do we need to address today in order to get better? And then we'll address the next problem as that comes up. It seems like tangible and more bite-sized pieces. That's kind of what comes to mind for me. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Renee, how do you measure the success of your recruitment team? Yeah, so there's um, our, like when we, if I think about executive focus, I think about uh, vacancies. So what we're typically filling is billable roles. So people out in the field, moving equipment, earning the company money. That's what we're typically typically recruiting for. So we don't want to see a lot of vacancies. So we are very big on time to fill. Um, and then of course we look at the turnover. Um, so when I share it with our recruitment team, what I look at for time to fill and how I quantify that and make sure that the 
the understanding is very clear about why we're looking at that. I've actually been able to look at our billable rates for our people and of our and our equipment and put that against our days to hire and show the dollar impact uh, a recruiter can have on the organization's bottom line should wow. they meet, miss their target. So we are very efficient. Our operator recruiter is amazing. She is like Kelly, you talk about when you find them, you hang on to them. Like she's just phenomenal. Um, so she moves very quickly. She's constantly on, on the horn with the, with, uh, operators. So, you know, but, but having that understanding, okay, you know, for the rest of the process, like this is why it's important to get the offer letter out right away. This is why it's important to get that new hire package, you know, get people started because, um, you know, in the field of recruiting that we do, there's a lot of drop off at point of offer. People move on and off the market extremely quickly, uh, in our industry. So that's one of the things that we do. Um, obviously, we're looking at turnover. I got it from you, Shelly, but uh, turnover, not just as a percentage, but okay, percentage of turnover on the first 90 days, percentage of turnover at, at the six month, maybe 18 months, because then you can look at, okay, is it a recruiting issue? Is there something going on in the field? Was it the wrong fit? Um, and then smart recruiters, uh, we haven't turned this on yet, but I really like this. So um, they do, in, in the system, you essentially give somebody a net hiring score when you hire them. And then to further that, they kick out a three month check-in on, hey, how is this person to the hiring manager and gives them another hiring score. So it, it gives you a true quality assessment. Now we yeah. haven't turned that on yet. That's great. But yeah, that is, yeah. yeah. I wow. really like that tool. So I'm looking forward to using that. Um, and then of course, hopefully the managers will use it. Um, and then the, the last thing that we do, I like to look at, our own recruitment team internally. Um, so this doesn't go upwards, but it's, um, we survey hires. So we do a lot of mass onboarding. So we'll do like 30, 60 people, you know, in a week. Um, and we'll survey them a couple weeks later and just say like, Hey, how was your onboarding? Was the job what you expected it to be? Um, how was the training? Did you have a site contact when you got out in the field? And we just ask, have a few checkpoints there. And then we, we do share it with the managers, but it's more for, um, our internal and where can we improve? Want to make sure that candidate experience is, is good. Wow. That's brave. Um, you know, <laughs> I know, no, it really is, especially when you're talking about volume hires, mm -hmm. um, because I've, I've, I've seen both sides of that where they honestly don't want to know. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. really don't want to know. Like the thought of asking, and I've, and I've talked to some other organizations and suggested that, do you think it, it might, it will form how you go to market, it will form your employer relation, your employer, employer reputation. And if you don't think there's a, there's a, a clear ROI on this, mm -hmm. well, just carry on, just keep your blinders on. So great mm -hmm. answer. Yay, Renee. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree too. They, they don't want to know. Right. And, yeah. and that would mean that they would have to do something differently. Um, and no, they want it to remain a recruitment problem rather than identifying opportunities that need to be done differently. And it, it, you know, I liken it almost to the engagement survey, right, where you ask and then if you don't do something about it, then it remains a problem. Um, but those are those kinds of like golden nuggets that Renee's just described that you can get into and say, okay, well, if this is the challenge, if they're not being met on site on day one, then let's create that buddy system or let's create that, you know, impact that is really meaningful to that new employee. Priceless. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. we're fortunate and at CETA, we're, we're very solutions focused organization. So I feel grateful that the leaders are always looking for solutions, how to make things better. And it translates out in the field into the corporate environment as well. So yeah, that's a huge difference. That's all that's all the difference in the world. That's amazing. Yeah. It is. It is. So well done. Kelly, um, share with us how you <laughs> how you measure the success of your team. And what are the, the metrics? Okay, well, maybe this is where um, uh, my honesty comes uh, into play. Uh, and uh, I'll just come out and say, it. Oh, I suck at this. Like, I really suck at this. And um, it, especially in my, more re- my, <laughs> my more recent role, um, the only number anyone has ever been worried about um, uh, is the higher number. Um, and I, I think that will always come into play with recruitment anywhere, anywhere you go, it's how many numbers of hires. Um, and it leans to everyone's points that, that you brought up Susan and, and Renee right now that it's, <laughs> it's, it's leaning to other potential problems or oversights. Um, and I'm guilty of it. Uh, you know, the, the recruitment tool that we have right now, uh, we, when, Pre, pre-launch of this tool, we had 2,700 applicants a year. We launched this new tool, we got 17,000 applicants in the first eight months. Yeah, that's just a metric. That's just a number. Like, pat myself on the back, I got 300% like increase. So, so what? Right? It's like, and so I'm really bad at drilling into the numbers and figuring out those data points and pain points and, and pushing to fix it. Um, because I'm a born, bred, and true go, go, go recruiter. And I do focus on that number more often than not. Um, And honestly, if the business isn't asking for those numbers, I'm not about to just spit them out and do the work for no reason. So uh, we've been in such um, an urgency state um, for, for a number of months now that, um, the, the number one driver and reason for, for being in our business would be, um, a very professional, um, uh, specialized role. And so we've been all in on, on navigating and approaching it with three really key strategies to engage with that group. But in terms of qualifying the numbers that come in and understanding the metrics, the worst, like (laughs) totally. And it's on me. It's on no one else. It's on me. But when the business isn't asking for it, I'm also not not presenting it, right? So um, it's hard for me to be honest on a recruitment uh, podcast. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. I think, Kelly, that's the next best thing, though, right, guys? Like, in the sense that you've been doing this for so long, your instinct and your gut feeling goes a long way. And so you know when there's a problem. You sense it, right? You go, this is the problem. This is the problem spot. Sure. Like, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it is the next best thing. It's funny. Cause I have a different view when it comes to metrics. I think it's probably the most critical of all the talent acquisition uh, functions, because as we started to talk at the start is talent acquisition and nature in general doesn't get any credibility in most organizations. And I'll tell you the number one reason is we can't correlate what we do to business results. So all they see is fluff and a lot of times. So obviously if your roles are not, are not being filled, that's a challenge. So please listen to our metrics episode where we deep dive on all the metrics uh, and we start at the basics, then we go deeper and 
We can uh-huh. look like you're torturing Kelly. Just stop it, search. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's what you I, get. I will always be honest. I'll never hold back. But that's I mean that's my God God's honest uh-huh. truth. I know how important it is. And for me, when I just look at number of hires, because we're in such a specialized industry. Um, you know, it's translated into close to $7 million for the organization and success. So that's fuck any number. other numbers. That's a great yeah. number, right? I was just so, going to say that. <laughs> like, that's exactly what I'm talking about, Kelly. Well, so, and I, I just want to say, I, I can absolutely relate to where Kelly's at. Like I just rattle off a bunch of fancy shit, but three years ago, I couldn't have done that. Kelly knows that so. <laughs> Perfect. Well, ladies, we're running out of time. We've, uh, we've talked quite a bit. I think the info that was shared today is going to be really useful for all practitioners, anyone listening to this podcast. So I really, really appreciate it. I'm going to ask you where we can find you. So Renee, how can we find you? Someone wants to get it. Your information was so good that they want to get in touch with you. Yeah. How do they get in touch with you? <laughs> yeah, I guess LinkedIn is the best way. So Renee Rust. <laughs> Renee Rust. How about you, Kelly? Mm. Oh, I'm a pretty open book, actually. I I really enjoy engaging. Renee mentioned really quickly that she, you know, was navigating new applicant tracking systems and wanted an opinion. Um, I, I seriously think that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And so for, for me, um, uh, phone number and email, I don't know if you're you're putting it up on, on the podcast or whatever, but I'm, I'm completely open and, and LinkedIn is, is a great spot too. So. Perfect. Thank you. How about you, Susan? SusanMcGuire.ca or LinkedIn. Great. Love it. She's got Even her own website. Own website. I know. Look She's fancy. You. She's it's very new. fancy. <laughs> so listen. Yeah, so I'm, I'm open to the contact at any time. Okay. Great. Well, thank you, Susan, for being on the show. Kelly and Renee, thank you so much for being on the show. This, this is an episode, honestly, I was, I've been looking forward to. And uh, hopefully you had a good time. Uh, hopefully we can ask you to come back maybe for a future episode. Because uh, I'd love to, um, certainly with all the plugs for Smart Recruiter, um, thinking we probably might want to have a show that is going to maybe dive a little further on some of the things we just touched on. So um, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Thanks, Serge and Shelly. It was great to be invited. Yes, thank you. Our pleasure. Au revoir. Bye Au revoir. Me. Thank you. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.